You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello, hello. Will Gibson. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And special guest, Anthony Alfredo. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to being here. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. We certainly appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, Let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, You're pretty new on iRacing. Uh, I was looking at your profile. And so let's go through some questions to get to know you. Uh, First, what brought you to iRacing? Uh, When did you first hear about it? And then what did you do about it? So that's a good question, actually. It's kind of funny because if you look at my profile, I haven't raced very much at all, or at least official races, but I've had an account for a really long time. So when I started racing just over five years ago now, I picked up iRacing because I had heard about it um, when I was kind of researching how to get started in racing and, and saw that that was actually at the time becoming more popular, not not as much popular as it is now and it's come such a long way since then but it was you know a a useful tool and it was just virtual racing so i had gotten an account and kind of just done testing and it's kind of funny because the first few years of my career i never really raced on it i would just test before i went to a certain track and use it to make laps and then it wasn't up until you know a couple years ago i really got into um, the official racing side of it and league racing and all of that and i've had so much fun with it i've become little bit of an addict (laughs) and um the way it's kind of helped me in my real life racing program has been very unique and surprising so that's why i've been a big advocate of it encouraging others to take advantage of it whether they real life race or not just because you can learn so much from it yeah so like in those early years you were using it to prepare for your real racing right like uh, a lot of people right now are talking about uh indy is going to a road course for xfinity race this year and uh, all the, you know, Dale Jr. is like, yeah, all the drivers are going to be on iRacing, you know, practicing and getting ready for that race. Yeah, exactly. And the biggest thing with that is I was actually talking to the crew about crew about it yesterday and today. Uh, yet last, last night or yesterday afternoon, I should say, we were at the Chevy Simulator. And while we were there, we were talking about how, you know, Indy had just been announced that it was going to be switched to a road course race now, which was kind of a tough position to be put in for myself because I'm a part-time driver and I go into, you know, a race season with sponsors that want certain races and, you know, everyone expected it to be the Brickyard and now it's a road course race. So it'll still be a big deal and unique and um, I didn't have any road road courses planned for the year. So I guess it's not a bad thing to go to one, especially because if my ultimate goal is full-time Xfinity next year and competing for a championship, I need to know how to get around them and, um, that one will have me in the same boat as everyone else because everyone's new to it. And that's where the simulator comes into hand because obviously it's not scanned and they don't have it for all the manufacturers. So that's why everyone's going to rely so heavily on iRacing to get used to it. So um, I'm actually planning on maybe have my crew engineer come over and see if we can compare some of our notes and set up ideas on iRacing and make some laps on there and just try to get a better feel, um, you know, since it's not scanned by all the manufacturers for their simulator. Okay, very good. So um, tell the listeners uh, who don't know about your real racing uh, career, we, we heard a bit about your iRacing side. What are you doing? Uh, we're obviously you're in the 21 Richard Childress uh, Xfinity car this year they announced, so congratulations with that, um, and running some races for them. 
and you've been in the truck series last year and had some great runs. Uh, what, tell us a little bit about your racing history and, and how you came up that way. So that's a great question. I love answering this one because I have a unique story or path, so to speak, compared to a lot of others who've been racing their whole life. Everyone kind of knows the story. You get in a quarter midget or some sort of go-kart at six years old and you work your way up from there. Well, for me, I had raced go-karts, but they were just rental carts. I never legitimately raced go-karts, if that makes any sense. So I just did the arrive and drive type deal at these indoor tracks that are very common nowadays. And that's why I always tell people it's a great place to get started and get your feet wet. And getting started at 15 years old, you know, just over five years ago, I'm 20 years old now, was pretty late in the ball game. But um, I've been very fortunate and I've had um, some pretty good success and I have the ability to adapt to new environments quickly and a willingness to learn that I think has helped propel me. Um, but that's really where the sim racing things came into play for me because obviously me starting so late to try and pick up on that and learn some race craft on the simulation and get some you know practice on there really has helped a lot with being new and just trying to catch up to some of the others who have been ahead of me or a lot more experienced but uh, I really started off just a race fan no one in my family raced I'm a first generation racer where I'm from in Ridgefield Connecticut is very uncommon to find NASCAR fans so it's it's kind of a cool story because it's very relatable to a lot of race fans now you know I always tell people when I'm at the racetrack I have a unique perspective and appreciation because I was there as a fan growing up and I'm fortunate enough to be there driving at the national level so I love doing Q&As and stuff at the racetracks and telling all the fans that you guys need to realize I was in your position so it's pretty cool um and that's why I love where iRacing gotten to nowadays because a lot of race fans um, play iRacing because it's the closest thing they may ever get to driving a real race car and it's a fun way for us drivers to not only interact and compete against fans but it's just cool because it's so realistic for real life drivers to practice on it that goes to tell uh, or goes to show all the people you know don't race but use it how realistic it actually is oh yeah yeah when you when you can uh, race and beat a uh a real life driver in the sim, it sure is a, a feeling of accomplishment. Actually, I was ghosting a, a race that Tony Stewart was doing once, and I actually passed him legit on the track, and I was like really pumped about it. But uh, yeah, that is cer certainly a thing. Let's switch gears. Uh, tell us about your sim hardware setup, uh, your cockpit, your wheels, pedals. Are you doing VR, triple monitors, and then any third-party software? That's an awesome question. So I love talking sim racing so I could share some of this. Well, uh, some of you may or may not know that one of my big racing partners is actually SimSeats Driving Simulators, who they're involved with a couple of the peak drivers, have built them rigs. And in my opinion and many others, they build the best racing simulators and cockpits on the market. And they're the highest quality, 100% hand built in the united states and they're all the equipment and components they put on them uh are the best top of the line things and they have different options as far as kits you can you could purchase from them so i can honestly say that obviously they're a partner of mine but i really truly mean that they're the best in my opinion whether i was working with them or not as a partner that's how great i love their th their stuff and if you check out my twitch channel fast underscore pasta or even some of my stuff our video stream uploads on my YouTube channel, Anthony Alfredo, you can see uh, kind of my in-car or onboard looking view and uh, my pedal setup. But I have their 
SRX chassis with a Sparco full bucket racing seat on it. And for my wheel, I have an AccuForce Sim Experience wheel, which is a direct drive wheel. It's probably the best on the market. Um, it's super realistic because it feels like um, an actual steering box and just the force feedback on it's really accurate. Not to mention the Rickmatech uh, Willwood hydraulic pedals that feel super real as well and really Ooh. add to the immersion. And um, th that's the biggest thing is with Sim Seats. The reason I love them so much is not only because of the customer service and um, how well they treat everyone and how easy they are to work with, but the way their chassis are built and the way you sit, like coming from a real racer perspective, you sit exactly how you do in the race car. There's a lot of other rigs that use the right components, good wheel, good pedals, but you don't sit right. And someone who doesn't race might not know that, but I love telling people who don't, you know, who want to be as immersed as possible or to feel as realistic as possible that theirs is the closest it gets. Um, so that's why I love it because obviously for me, if I'm going to play a lot of iRacing and maybe build some habits or just get, you know, really comfortable, I want to get in the real car and it feel very similar. So yeah, it's that's, a, that, like that's the a, steering wheel up against you kind of thing, like where it's closer than you probably think it should be. Yes, exactly. You can, there's a lot more adjusted there setups than um, all the competitors. So that's pretty much what I got for uh, all that. It has surround sound and triple monitors. They're 32 inch curve monitors, three of Ooh. them. Um, I was actually going to do VR because their rig doesn't take up a lot of space at all. That's another thing. And it's not as big as people think. Um, it's super nice. So you could tuck it away in the corner. They also offer one single ultra wide screen. And I was going to do VR just, you know, so I could only have one small monitor and not have to worry about it taking up much space. But even with the triple monitors, it didn't take up as much. And I think for me personally, it doesn't strain my eyes as much or like give me a headache. So I can hop on and easily do, you know, a three hour stream at ease, you know, comfortably. So I love being able to do that. And uh, other than that, um, that's pretty much what I'm rolling with. And it's really cool to stream from just because it's such a nice setup. And I have, like I said, a pedal cam and then a camera on me. And the streams look pretty legit. I'm really happy with the way they look. I'm working on some new overlays and stuff. But it's fun for people to watch. They could kind of see my driving technique. And I love hopping on and racing with fans and, you know, live streaming that as well. You got the computer from him too? Yes, it's the computer that I got from him with that is a Velocity Micro piece. And I had quite a few upgrades done to it uh, just because of the fact that I'd be streaming. Uh, and, you know, we all know sim racing is pretty demanding if you have all the, you know, things turned on high detail, all the uh, quality and um, visuals and graphics. So with that, streaming on top of that is another very demanding thing so to do the two i was kind of asking a lot of the computer so that's why i had a little bit of work done to it but um i'm actually really happy with it as well and and velocity micros customer support as well well that's awesome i mean sim seats we talk about them a lot obviously on this show they they are a great uh cockpit i think for a stationary cockpit they're probably one of the best out there uh and he's already doing getting into motion and doing different things too uh that we were talking about just last week i think anyway uh sim seats uh, you did a great video of a kind of a tour of his uh factory or whatever you want to call it where he builds these cockpits uh that's probably one of your i love your youtube channel but i really like that particular video because it was neat to see all that goes into it you really don't have any idea until uh you go through that tour and there's so many different things that have to happen to put it together absolutely and i'm glad you said that because that's what i envisioned when we filmed that video was zach 
who owns SimSeeds was kind enough to not hide any secrets and show us all the details of what goes into it and how they're built. Um, so you could see the whole process. And like you said, it's kind of surprising. Um, some of the things that are done and other things you just don't, you would never imagine are as extensive as they are. So it was really cool to film that. And I enjoyed that. And like I said, I appreciate his time and willingness to do that. Um, and you mentioned the motion. I would like to add that I have driven his motion setup, and he also has it at quite a few NASCAR races. I know he had a setup at Richmond with it um, and a few other places. So if anybody listening or you guys yourselves are ever at a track where he has it, you need to try it. It is so good. I think it's the most realistic the most realistic motion setup for iRacing that I've ever been on because a lot of people these like, I mean, I know majority of people aren't going to go buy like some crazy $60,000 motion rig, but you see a lot of those online, right? And it sounds so like insane and so grand and you kind of just assume so because of the price, but his isn't even remotely close to that. And it's way better. And I'll tell you why. The biggest thing is most of those motion rigs, just the seat move. SimSeats actually has a motion platform that you would take my exact rig and just sit the whole rig on the platform and bolt it down. Everything moves. So right. the entire thing moves. So it accurately represents, um, you know, chassis move, not just like movement, but chassis movement and and he has a monitor attached movement. too, right? Yes. Yeah, it helps a ton because. When just the seat's moving, is it like just imagine yourself moving and your steering wheel staying in place? Like that's that would be super uncomfortable and highly unrealistic. So to have the whole thing move, it just really rep you know helps accurately represent the roll and the pitch in the corners and on the brake. And you know if you get a little loose, it kind of rolls over on that rear tire. So I think it's it's really cool and it adds a whole nother aspect to iRacing in any simulation. Well, I think that's a good point. I think your backbone and the brake the distance between your backbone and the brake pedal probably needs to stay consistent, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, yeah, they have some pretty cool stuff. Some other neat uh, videos um, on your YouTube channel. Uh, I wanted to point out. I think it was about six months ago. You had the you put first iRacing win. Uh, that was a pretty good one where you were streaming. Uh, of course, the the shop tour. Uh, you also had uh, several that were like you called them sim to reality, uh, where you had the helmet cam. Uh, and, and I think that's when we first caught your YouTube videos when you were doing the helmet cam where you'd show us a lap in the truck on the real track and a lap on the sim at the same time and to see how it matched up. It was kind of cool. Yeah, those were my favorite to make and I'm looking forward to doing more of that. It's really tricky because you can't use cameras uh, on race weekend. So the only time I was I had a GoPro was either at a private test or a NASCAR open test. Um, which they have once in a while. So I'll, I'll get a little bit in the Xfinity car. Um, but it's, like I said, it's few and far between the opportunity you have to do that. So when I did, I was really excited to make that video and show how accurate and realistic simulation is and how close it, how similar it looks and how close it feel and the sound and everything is to real life. So that was kind of cool. My favorite one was, um, well, there was the one where I kind of like to, to be funny. I was wearing my helmet and stuff in the simulator and I had, you know, kind of a camera up on the monitor facing me like my stream and all that. But I, the coolest one, I think, was when it was cutting in and out like it was one single lap around Texas Motor Speedway, but it would cut from 
you know, the sim to real life clip and back and forth until the lap was completed. So you could see like it just looks so similar. Um, and it's really cool, really showcases how realistic iRacing is and um, why it's so valuable. Yep, yep. I uh, certainly enjoyed those as well. Um, some other questions here. Uh, what's the goal going forward with the YouTube channel? Uh, you know, you're busy with the NASCAR ride now, and, uh, you know, how are you going to use that going forward? Still streaming, or uh, what races are you going to be running in 2020? Those are all great questions. I'll, I'll start with first the YouTube channel has been very important to me, and I love Twitch because being able to stream is so cool because I wish I could do it more consistently, um, but I'm just all over the place. I'm so busy with school and racing and doing all my own marketing, and, and that's where the YouTube channel and streaming comes in, you know, so um, being able to film, edit, and upload all on my own for YouTube gets difficult at times. I actually just filmed YouTube videos today that... All my parents are coming into town tonight, actually, for the weekend. So I'll edit them later in the weekend and upload them next week. So it's it's super busy, and I try to get ahead like that. But the cool part about live streaming is anytime I hop on iRacing and go run a race, I just start streaming it. Um, and if it goes well and I win, I'll upload it to YouTube, or maybe if something funny happens, you know. And I love to go back and or the viewers, you know, can clip certain parts. So every once in a while, what I'm going to start doing once I have enough clips is kind of put them together into a compilation of, you know, whether funny or cool or like, you know, good saves, whatever, um, for YouTube. And, and I always usually upload just a whole stream to YouTube when I do things like racing with fans or like a league race. Um, and then I have, you know, I kind of want to get back to vlogging as much as I can. I've just been super busy with that. That That's probably one of the hardest things to film for me. Um, but I really like to do so and showcase kind of my daily life and what goes on. And I uploaded a Q&A the other day. That went really well. I really enjoyed filming that, too. So all that's been cool. And then as far as my schedule this year, um, haven't released it yet, but uh, I can confirm Indy, obviously, since we talked about it. Um, that's no big deal. Let's go ahead and say that I'll be that's probably 95 percent chance I'll be racing there or more. Um, and then for the rest of them, I am running part-time this year but i'm running the majority of the season so right now i'm at about I think 17 or 18 races i'll be running so i'm really pumped about that because that's more races than i ran last year actually um obviously with the reigning champions of the nascar xfinity series and arguably the most iconic team in the sport richard childress racing so i'm very very proud of that and very excited to get the year underway well, with that being said, Anthony, I think you have a great opportunity um, this year to really showcase because of there, there's going to be a huge vacuum in the Xfinity at the top of the series because all those guys left and have moved up to the Sprint Cup. Uh, uh, you know, Christopher Bell and, and, and Cole Custer and whatnot. And so there's a real opportunity, I think, for people to really uh, step up and shine. So really good luck to you there. Uh, next question uh, from uh, one of our uh, team members, Tony from Connecticut. He said, uh, how, cool it, how cool is it to have one of the coolest Italian names ever? <laughs> it's awesome. You know, I'm trying to embrace it. Just like I was saying before, my Twitch username is fast underscore pasta because fast pasta was a nickname an announcer at hickory motor speedway when i first started racing and late models came up with and it seemed to have stuck um and there's been plenty of puns pretty much every time i meet someone they have something to say um sometimes i hear the same thing over and over sometimes i hear new ones which is always funny but uh i've got some cool merch on my website anthonyalfredo.com and it's you know kind of funny 
it's actually my Twitch emote is what it is. Um, me eating a bowl of pasta. I've got like a, you know, a fork and knife up in the air and it says Alfredo underneath, which is, you know, just the, the irony of it because it's my last name, but also, um, I'm eating it in the picture. <laughs> so it's a, it's pretty cool for uh, merchandise and all that. And it's kind of funny because I have like my traditional brand logo and, everyone seems to love the fast pasta logo more. So um, that's why I've kind of been leaning towards that. I actually had that on the roof next to my name last year on the truck, the majority of the year, once we, uh, once I came out with it. Okay. So they can follow you at on Twitch fast pasta. Check that out guys. And then obviously Facebook, Anthony Alfredo racing, and then Anthony where you can get links to everything. Uh, check him out, guys. Thanks for coming on, Anthony Alfredo. We do appreciate you uh, talking to us about your racing and your sim racing. And uh, obviously the YouTube channel, that's how we found you, actually. And uh, and you had some great content over there. Uh, we certainly appreciate you putting that out. And I think the other thing is, uh, I think the first time we've had a, a sim hardware uh, sponsorship in NASCAR that I know of. And so uh, you brought that in, too. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. No, I appreciate all the kind words and it was a pleasure to be on the show. So maybe we could uh, do another one sometime soon, maybe after we have a Xfinity series win in real life to talk about or even some more. Sim well, there you go. Uh, You're going to plan on running uh, any official racing, like maybe the Daytona 500 or anything like that? Uh, I'm not sure. I actually had an invitation to run the 24 hours of Daytona this weekend. And unfortunately, like I said, with my parents coming down, um, it's not going to be possible. But um, I'll see about the other ones. I kind of got to see what's lining up with my schedule, but I'm definitely open to it. I, I love doing, um, all those bigger races of the year. It's, it's a blast. Okay. Well, if you want to run, I mean, we run the NASCAR series the whole season. You come, you let us know and you can come run with us if you have time and we'll, uh, we'll fit you in and find you a spotter or something. Okay. That sounds awesome. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's get into, uh, iRacing news next. It is the uh, formerly known as the Peak Series uh, eNASCAR news. A uh, lot of stuff going on. Will, let's start with team announcements. Yeah, so we had a ton of announcements um, this last week. Um, the eSports Racing Group announced a partnership with Team Slip Angle. Um, that was really one of the first things to come out. What do you guys think about that? Well, you got to remember this is uh, the teams behind the scenes, not the public uh seen teams uh you know like the nascar ones um the actual teams that work on setups and that kind of thing uh i don't know i i wasn't really familiar with esport racing group uh but they are grouping some drivers together and uh the names listed there are pretty stout ray alfala chris overland sante terez brandon cattell jake nichols okay i was kind of in the same boat um i feel like we've been talking a little bit more about the esports racing group I couldn't find too much of a back history, and I think we all kind of know Team Slip Angle. So um, if Team Slip Angle feels it's a benefit to them to partner with this group, they must be uh, putting something special together on the back end. Um, another couple of announcements, uh, JRM and Michael Conti announced one of their sponsors, or the primary sponsor for his car for this, which is the WR1 Sim Chassis. And I think that's really the first announcement of a new sponsor coming into the NASCAR series. And... One of the first paint jobs we got to see. Do you guys get a look at that? It's a beauty for sure. Um, 
WR1 Sim Chassis is the name of it. Uh, Chad Wheeler uh, from Oklahoma. I think he's the one who uh, hooked up Dale Jr. with his particular chassis he's using and uh, TJ. Michael has been one of the most uh, active on social media of the drivers, at least on my feed, since since we've been in the offseason. He's been throwing up a lot of information. And he was on Sirius Radio. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, what else, Will? Yeah, so a couple other driver announcements here. I'll kind of speed these up. Uh, Nathan Lyons, who drove, I believe, for Latar Esports last season, is actually moving over to Roush Fenray Racing. Um, Denny Hamlin announced his drivers, uh, Keegan Leahy and Casey Kerwin. Uh, Keegan Leahy was a runner-up in the championship, and Casey Kerwin was the winner of the most popular driver. So uh, he's got a fast that's driver a, and a popular driver. That's a big win, I think, for Denny. Uh, those are some stout driver announcements. The other thing with Roush, I think that's only one of the two seats, right? Yes. So we know Michael Guest and Zach Novak have left that team. So the only person we know there confirmed is Nathan Lyons. Um, no clue whether he's going to drive the 17 or the 6 car yet. Um, and no word on who his uh, teammate's going to be. Um, a couple other driver announcements. Uh, Stuart Haas Esports announced their drivers. Dylan Duvall and Justin Bolton. Um, it looks like they went for a little more experience on their team. Um, which is something they mentioned. and um... Well, just a minute. I'm going to jump in there. Uh, one interesting story about um, if you click the Stuart uh, HaasRacing.com link to their you know press release, they talk a little bit more about why they chose Justin Bolton. Justin Bolton is an employee of Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, he actually is a 24-year-old engineer on the Xfinity team uh, that Cole Custer was on in 2019. And so he is on the road, uh, you know, running the NASCAR circuit. Uh, but he's also, you know, doing this. And I thought that was impressive. I had no idea Justin was doing that. Yeah, I guess I should have read the article a little better. But it's a good way to make sure you're off early on a Tuesday is uh, drive for the boss. <laughs> well, it's cool that he got picked by the same team he works for. Uh, but that's kind of like uh, Junior Motorsports did with uh, what's his name, Brad. Yeah, he has Brad Davies and Conti, who um, works for Hendrick, so pretty cool there. Um, and uh, Blake Reynolds, I believe they were confirmed earlier, uh, two weeks ago, that he's going to be with Austin Dillon Esports again. Uh, oh, Michael Guest yeah, Austin is be his put partner. out a news what that was. I think they were announcing the numbers, uh, the 3 and the 33, actually. Yeah, and they did confirm Michael Guest will be in the second car, so we know where he landed. So still up in the air on the Roush Fenway's second driver, but looks like Michael Guest did land a ride with Austin Dillon. So all of the drivers got to actually have a media day, similar to how the, how the uh, real-life racers drive. And we have uh, several links here that you can check out that include some of the post-media day activities that they had. Uh, we have a neat tweet from Denny having a lot of the drivers over. And you can also check out on Zach Novak's Facebook page a link that shows a lot of uh, Denny's crib. You look at you look at the link, and I feel like I'm watching MTV Cribs or something. Yeah, Denny has a, a inter interesting house to say the least. He has a stock car in his living room, kind of behind glass. I'm jealous. Uh, he's got a, a bowling alley, uh, basketball uh, court. Yeah, he's got big areas for people to congregate and eat. You know, um, so it, they're all pictures of Denny's house. Pretty cool to be invited over. And then they, uh, several of them also got to pay a visit over uh, at, with Dale Jr. As, and TJ Majors. And uh, Dale 
posted a little tweet with a picture of them and also mentioning that he's been doing sim racing along with Rue Racing for 30 years. So pretty cool. Uh, TJ and D, uh, Dale J Jr. came over to see a group of them. And uh, that's a pretty neat honor, you know, to not only be invited to the NASCAR Hall of Fame for the media day, got to meet with NASCAR, you know, probably lay down the ground rules for being part of their system. And then uh, all this, you know, hey, let's go over to Denny Hamlin's house and have dinner and hang out. Pretty cool. So we have all these neat, exciting, positive stories. And then uh, I guess we have our re first real public controversy uh, and uh, in in the uh, sim racing and real racing world. Well, the Twitter mob. In this mm -hmm. case, it was a guy named uh, Doug Kobe, who's a six-time NASCAR Wheeland Modified Champion, actually. Uh, he put on Twitter, Today on social media, uh, Jay Bonsigner and I saw people who drive race cars on computers having media days, announcing sponsorships with JRM Motorsports, and hanging out with Denny Hamlin on Lake Norman. Makes real race car drivers want to puke. Hashtag NASCAR hashtag at NASCAR home track. And so uh, that led to a lot of different people replying to that, kind of taking, you know, taking it up, with, including uh, none other than Dale Jr. and others. Uh, several peak drivers, including Mike Conti, uh, uh, posted up as well, Parker Kligerman. Uh, and then there were other NASCAR drivers who piled on uh, on the negative side. Well, Parker did have a nice replied directly to Kobe. Um, he, and he, because Twitter's short, he actually posts a link to a Reddit post that you can go and read. And he basically calls it a And he explains why, and he gives reasoning and, and actual examples and whatnot. So Parker actually has the best, you know, response to this particular guy, probably. Uh, and then uh, Brian Kozlowski really stepped in it with a pretty uh, politically incorrect statement. Yeah, Brian Keselowski, who's the brother of Brad, he run he used to run, I should say, uh, some NASCAR. But uh, he said, what facts, dumbass? I play Madden, but it doesn't make me a coach or football player. You idiots think you're on the same level as real racers, and it's a mental disorder. No different than kids shooting your schools because they play shooting games. You people need help. So that's what I mean when I say Twitter mob. It kind of went south, you know, and there were people kind of saying things like that and uh, if you read the thread of everybody who's jumping in on that i mean there's i racers piling in and saying what they think and there's other real racers piling in uh saying what they think uh but mrn's dave moody and and bagman actually got it got into the conversation as well uh yeah mike conti he had a nice reply as well um you know, he put up a response uh, that was kind of a detailed one. Doug, Doug, Dave Moody, he said, As if we aren't sufficiently looking down on by the stick and ball crowd, now we have racers denigrating racers. We're eating our own young. You know, it's uh, I could kind of understand um, Doug Kobe's frustrations. I really kind of read that as just him being frustrated. This is a guy who's a six-time Wheeland Modified Champion, but... As the top of the sport has grown so big, a lot of it, I feel like the short track level has kind of been forgotten in a lot of ways. And I could kind of understand his frustrations a little bit. Um, but, I mean, esports is the future, and NASCAR is kind of being cutting edge with this and reaching out to a whole new fan base. And 
I think what they're doing is not wrong by any means, but I could semi-understand his frustration. I feel like Brian Kozlowski's just, um, he just wanted to be heard, um, so he just thought he'd one-up it with some extra stupidity. But I could kind of semi-understand his frustrations. Um, but I think Michael Conti really kind of, when he posted out what it takes to be competitive at the top level of sim racing, um, because there's now 110,000 iRacing members, and every single one of us has the opportunity to get to that level and have these opportunities. And in the real world, there's just not that many people that have the opportunity to be a, a race car driver because of the financials and the way that things have evolved. And uh, he put in a great post about what it takes. And I think Dave Moody's right. Like you have, I would say, a salty aspect of racers who I would say just didn't make it um, kind of attacking these new up-and-coming drivers who are coming up in a different route. And uh, it's just kind of sad to see. But then they uh, took it to the airwaves and things kind of got better, I think. I and if you I... listen... Yeah, Sorry. Go ahead. If you listen to uh, Dave Muti's show quite a bit, um, the short track, the demise of short tracks and the struggles of short tracks has it has been a, frust- a source of frustration for a lot of uh, for a lot of racers, and it's not really i racing or sim racing that's causing that. It's just a change in the culture. Uh, you don't have back in the original days of short track racing. Uh, you go to the gas station; it's a garage. All right. Today, you go to the gas station and you and you buy your snack food and you, and your forty ounce soda. There's no car in the garage for everybody to check out that ends up at the track. The it's it's just American car cultures that's changed. It's not it's not sim racing, but sim racing as well as all the other simulations is is a part of change as well. Uh, the the game culture does bring bring it to everybody. On, on a much broader reach. That being said, there are a couple of differences. E, the real drivers, real life drivers, have to be more physical. It's just that simple. You watch, you watch one of Haley Deegan's training videos, and she's doing exercises where she's holding like twenty five pounds with her neck, and and doing neck raises to help, you know, do everything she can to make, make, give her a, every physical advantage she can have in that truck, in that car. Uh, you don't deal with that in racing, but to reach the top level, it's still real racing. Um, Michael posted a, a little post with a Michael Conti posted a post, and he said he pointed out how much time they spend in it. And the truth is, really, in anything, you know, I I race a lot, but I don't practice it like Michael Conti does. They spend thirty hours a week on it. Uh, that's the kind of practice I would have to spend if I wanted to play my clarinet in the symphony at Dallas instead of Jonesboro. Right. Um, so whatever you do, it's still a top level competition. And 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 so uh, I'm kind of rambling, but, you know, the, it's real. It's different. And it's and it's probably more competitive than real life. It's kind of what Conti was alluding to. Uh, yeah. And then there was forum post, obviously, on our forums about it. You know, there were three pages where everybody uh, put in what they thought about it. Uh, there was even NASCAR chasm on tweet making fun of it. And then that kind of made it viral, I guess. I mean, uh, do you, I guess that considers it viral when you have the, the blonde screaming with the pointed finger and then you have the cat on the other side. It says, stay strong, iRacers. <laughs> but it, it's if we've talked about this quite a bit about how, you know, the sim racing is becoming a part of racing, the overall racing yeah. culture of motorsports. And, you know, we're now... 
having discussions on on the major media outlets, Sirius XM. Steve Myers is on there. Michael Connie was on there. Yeah, so that was the next day. So uh, they got some airtime to basically air what they thought about it um, in the situation. And uh, Michael did a really good job from what I heard. I, I saw, I heard pieces of it, and then a lot of people were talking about it afterwards. So uh, good job to him. Um, then finally, uh, let's talk about the racingexperts.com, uh, Justin Melillo, who's going to be on the show next week to talk about this. Uh, he was actually at the NASCAR hall of fame, uh, doing stories, getting information. Uh, he got his, uh, hard, uh, press credential from NASCAR. I think he's going to be going to races, but anyway, uh, he put up an article recently, uh, about the media days, what happened on his website, theracingexperts.com. So you can go there, and he'll actually uh, list out all the uh, driver lineup uh, at the bottom, uh, who is in what car with what team, uh, and what the open slots are. And there's still quite a few open slots. Uh, We're probably a little over halfway full. So more to come. I mean, we're going to have more team announcements. We're going to hopefully have a uh, title sponsor announcement. Yeah, I'm uh, really curious about their timing for these announcements. I feel like we should be in the point where they're really pushing the title sponsor, the prize winnings, and the road to pro. Um, as far as the team announcements, I'm sure they're still working with drivers. But just from the iRacing standpoint, I feel like there's enough lead time now that if they dropped, hey, such and such is the new title sponsor, this is the prize winnings, if you want to be part of it next year, sign up, become a member, get ready for this road to pro series. This is what it takes. I feel like we're in that time window where there's, it's close to it. Um, but not so close that people actually have time to get ready. Maybe, maybe, uh, this is just a wild guess. Uh, some sometime between the Rolex and the 500. Yeah, that's when they'll do it. And it'll be right before it starts kind of thing. And that's kind of what Will is alluding to. But uh, no, they haven't announced a schedule officially. Um, I think Tyler has said it's going to be the same as last year, but that's about it. I just think there's there's so much hype around the premier eNASCAR series, whatever the title sponsor is. that I think once people realize this is serious, this is real money we're winning, how do I sign up? I think that's an opportunity iRacing might be missing on by not promoting that road to pro now with these other announcements. But uh, I just think it's the sooner the better at this point. I think we're close enough now that it's it's time to go and get new members signed up and just grow the sim. All right. Well, what do we get next? Uh, for, uh, we got a uh, forum post about uh, is it a sim or is it a game? Yeah, mixed all that uh, discussion. Um, a member asked on the forums, how do you think about iRacing? Um, his two choices were, more of a simulation than a game, which actually garnered 75% of the vote, and uh, more of a game than a simulation, which got 25%. Um, I don't know what you, what did you guys think vote for? Well, 75%, obviously. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that number is not higher, considering the people who are voting. I, I voted for more of a simulation than a game, um, because that's really what it is. Now, it is like a game in the fact that it's something you can sit down and do and have fun which is kind of what it should be at the end of the day. But there's no reason why you can't take a game seriously like a simulation. It's a, It kind of blends those lines together, and some people treat it more of a game than a simulation, and um, their results and I rating shows, and there's people that treat it more like a simulation, 
and uh, it reflects there as well. And uh, I think it's just what you make of it. As long as you're having fun, that's the most important thing. I'm going to be a little bit of, a, I guess, a contrarian and, and say that it's a simulation game. Simulation is really a subcategory of, ga- of game. Right. I'm if you go want to get tactical. I'm going to say it's, I, I agree with this, 75% game. I mean, uh, Sim and 25%. All right. What you know? What the twenty-five percent? I wonder what they're thinking, though. The people that say uh, it's more of a game than a sim, and they're i racers. They're active. They're in the forums. Why do they think that? I almost bet you the people that are truly on i racing that treat it and think of it more as a game than a simulation probably aren't using the forums. Um, Good point. But I bet you twenty-five percent of those people there are just trolling. Trolls. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> That's typical. Just like the Twitter mob we were talking about, there's or, always going to be something. Yeah, and possibly trolls or just uh, very, very to the sim and just running one of the lower level cars, you know, maybe running around job. in an MX-5. Yeah, where it, it's, uh, it's a game of dodgeball rather than a race. All right, let's keep moving. David. Annie gets a podium. Our friend Ann Rabbits uh, from Snell Racing threw up, threw up a piece, and I, I hate to admit it, but I kind of got a little teary-eyed seeing how teary-eyed she got. She got a first podium, and she was really excited. She even was uh, contending for the lead there for a little bit. Uh, she even, was leading for a even, bit. Yeah, even with, the, even with the small mistake, she was just running so well compared to so many other people um, that she's starting to get that feeling that you get when you, when you run towards the front. And I've been there. I remember when I got, I, I didn't cry, but I definitely, I, I think it's probably not on my stream anymore, but uh, uh, when I got the that first NIS win, I just went ahead and let out a, a, a stream. I think I beat my chest like King Kong or something. It was, it was, um, it was exciting. So I definitely know how she feels. Yeah. I think, I'm sorry. I was to say, she's somebody who came over to iRacing with really no gaming or, racing experience i mean she said when we had her on the show that she enjoyed speed and she had a street bike and stuff at one point but uh she's somebody who i would say takes takes the sim seriously and treats it like a simulation who genuinely wants to improve her talents and abilities behind the wheel and uh i think that emotion shows that like she worked hard she got to a certain point and accomplished a goal and i think that's what makes i racing so great is the ability to have those emotions um just like real life racing you can tell that she's a racer. She's here as a racer, not a gamer. And you can tell because of the emotion of getting a podium and almost winning the race. And you can just see it in her face. And, uh, you know, as a woman, I, I think you can just see emotion easier. Maybe it's just portrayed a little bit more than the guys are. And so it is a fun video to watch to see, uh, you know, it's to see her run well and to see her reaction to it. And so congratulations, Annie. It was fun to watch. Hope you get the win soon. It, you're knocking on the door. That's what's next. That's what I told her in a comment. I said, you're knocking on the door. You know what's next. Okay, let's keep rolling. Uh, we had uh, Steve Myers from iRacing uh, do a Q&A on Twitter uh, the other day uh, while he was probably stuck on an airplane or something. And uh, he put out a lot of information. Let's kind of bounce through it. Um First of all, he said the Hell Rallycross Circuit in Norway is coming. Hell Rallycross Circuit from Norway. They're also working on another GT4 in addition to the Cayman, the Porsche Cayman. Also, no Watkins Glen or P2 slash DPI on the horizon. So what do you guys think of that? I haven't even, uh, the Rallycross Circuit, 
Do you guys know about that? I probably need to look it up. Is that a an enclosed circuit, or is that the kind that goes from point A to point B? It's an enclosed circuit, but it's purpose-built. A lot of what we have right now on the sim is all um, real-life tracks that adapted to Rallycross. This is a track that's actually built for Rallycross, and with that in mind, um, I tried watching some videos on the track, and uh, basically first heat race, first corner, somebody uh, put it on their lid going into the Joker, um, so it looked a lot like iRacing, but uh, yeah, no, this is a purpose-built track for iRacing or for Rallycross, and it's going to be a great addition to iRacing in the Rallycross community, which is um, mostly out of the States anyway, so really good and hopefully a sign of things to come going forward of the type of content they're adding for dirt road we need this in rallycross we need a new track so bad i mean it's so stale there with just the the few tracks they have so this is huge news for anybody doing rally i'm not super excited about the no dpi on the herd well don't they keep changing it that's the problem no that and they can't get anybody to let them ski i'm sure all right uh let's keep the next one was hockenheim doesn't respond to inquiries and they got told no by red bull ring a long time ago so that's why we don't have those tracks. Um, he said, as far as rain, he said, we're working on it already. First step was a dynamic track and new surface model. Next step is the new weather system. I wonder when he talks about the new surface model, is he referencing the polishing that they've talked about in the past? So if I'm not mistaken, in the past, they've talked about working on a system where they basically put in the information mm. for the polish of the track to no, adjust I... the grip. The surface model is the, trip, is the triple layer temp management yeah, layer that's, that's incorporated, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what that is. So rain is a, a long-term project. The weather is next, and that will lead to rain, hopefully. Pretty cool. Uh, the next one here is uh, we are doing a run of GT4 and TCR first. Timing of licenses and renewals also play a part in what we do with GT3. So what do you think that he means there? Well, he was asked about any upcoming GT3 cars. Um, I'm kind of curious what they mean by the timing of the license as far as are we ever going to lose content um, because that's how license runs out. But uh, that's kind of what that was entailed to. So it sounds like they were working on GTR and T or GT4 and TCR first, um, and then hopefully one day we'll get that DPI. We also covered a, a week or two ago that – they're not particularly fond of having five GT3 cars anymore because of all the all of the BOP concerns. They have to go into it. Okay. And, uh, of course, uh, that led to a forum post of speculation based on uh, which GT4 car do you th hope is on the way. Uh, uh, there was a six uh, choices. Uh, as far as the results of the poll, the BMW M4 was the highest uh, voted at 34% with the uh, Ford Mustang second. So I don't know enough about the cars to make an informed decision about what I would think would be best. But I would guess the M4 solely based off their partnership with BMW and the success of the 120 and the uh, 12.0 races. Um, Those that's cash just races. going off of history, yeah. All right, and then next, uh, this is big for us oval racers, Kentucky, Phoenix, and Texas, which we are trying to get updated this year. So he indicates we're going to get rescans of those three tracks. Phoenix desperately needs it. So does Texas. Uh, Texas is way different. Well, Phoenix is a totally different configuration now. Right. Yeah, I, th 
I think with Phoenix, it's the race surface remained the same. It did. It's just landmarks and the layout. But Texas is completely redone the way they go into one and two. And uh, I think that would be a big, big advantage for the sim having that on here. Yeah. And then finally, this one got me excited, guys. We're making great progress on Oval AI. We want to try and get Daytona and the Cup cars out at least before the 500, but no promises. And that I like. Are they going to be good enough to race us, you know, proficiently, you know, in a three wide, we're coming to the white, you know, I'm too deep on the middle and I'm going to try to squeeze through these guys. Are they going to race like real people? That's my concern. I hope so. Plus plate racing is is a whole different animal than regular oval racing. Right. So, and if he's going to get it out before the Daytona 500, that's soon, guys. We're in the middle of January, so that's in the next couple of weeks. Uh, that's exciting to to practice those kind of scenarios with the AI if they're if it goes how I hope it is. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I I don't. I'm not really holding my breath for it after seeing how the roadside AI worked with the Mazdas at the Lime Rock and you, they never go off and they're always online and they never go offline at all. It's a little bit where I feel like it needs to be a little more random than that. But all right, well, let's keep moving. Will uh, Carson Elledge shows off her colors. Yeah, we're going into the Chili Bowl. In fact, they're probably running right now. And uh Really, the only iRacing Chili Bowl car we haven't seen was hers going into the weekend. Uh, they posted a photo up, and it is, in my opinion, one of the better-looking iRacing midgets. Um, iRacing's colors and logo look great on any race car. Um, Larson and Bell have great-looking cars, but I really love the gold leaf on the numbers. You really make it stand out. What do you guys think of this car? I love I the carbon fiber. The OCD in me says that red of the tail part is a different red than the iRacing red, and the two reds kind of clash. It just, it, I don't know. You know, I didn't even see that until you said something. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> it's like they have a, a bright red car, and they're like, okay, we got the sponsorship. We're just going to put it over the, you know, the, the, pan, the crush panels only. And they didn't paint the underneath car to, you know, go with it. But it still looks good at the sponsorship side. Now, if you click <laughs> on her thread... She actually put up a more recent photo. We don't have a link of of her uniform. Uh, she actually got a new uniform, gloves, and hat. Uh, she's got gloves with the iRacing logo across the top of them. And her uniform uh, came out pretty good, too. It's all white with the iRacing logos going up the legs, uh, on the chest, obviously, and back. Looks pretty good. That red not, not matching, it almost looks like it's more of an issue of the lighting because there's a really bright lights on the rear end. Somebody wow. didn't upload the right spec map. <laughs> yeah, I like was... the uh, uniform guys. If some one of our painters could kind of mimic that for our team or something, that'd be cool. On it. The stripe goes, uh, you see, the if you go to the one picture, you can see where you can see the front. You, she has a stripe, a red, white, and blue that goes all the way from the shoulder down the leg, down the front, down the leg. It's kind of a neat design. Uh, speaking of paints, David, uh, BMW uh, coughs up their official paints. Yeah, Greg West posted a, a post with links to several liveries that you could download directly with official BMW paints. I didn't check any of them out personally. No, uh, but they did run that BMW cash uh, race. Uh, also on Twitter, Dale Jr. Uh, posted up that he ran his first ever endurance race. Uh, 
he ran it with TJ Majors, uh, and they made a run. As a matter of fact, they were in my split. I ran this race with Tom of over at uh, Elite West, and uh, we were right there with him. And I did. I I ran the same time TJ did, and had no and didn't notice that he was in there. But when Tom was running, it's like, oh yeah, that's Dell. They finished about seven positions in front of us. We uh, we we got caught up with with some early incidents and had to really watch it with the with the incidents. But it was it was definitely and and you know that was my first opportunity to race with Dell. I've been on the track with with AJ a few times, but it, that was the first time with Dell. It was exciting. All right, it's always cool to race with Dale Jr., right? All right, and then the winners, the overall winners of the cash, uh, guess. Oh, it's Team Redline, none other than Maximilian Winnig and the other Maximilian Benneke. Remember, Maximilian Benneke is the guy who has the highest road I rating. It's a little over 10,000, I think. I'm pretty sure I saw him in the practice session for the BMW. He just came blasted by me with like 10 lap older tires. All right. Let's talk everything Daytona 24. What do you got? Okay. So we're skipping down a little. Yeah. Trading paints right. is the first one for the 24. Ah, okay. Well, there, there was an updating paints. You can now uh, include team suits and helmets for all that'll feature for all your members. And if the team owner is a pro member, all the drivers can also use the team's custom number. Okay, great. So uh, is how is that going to work with our particular paint, David? Uh, are we going to have team helmets and suits? That's a good question, and I don't have the answer. Uh, we I looked at the templates just for a second and started looking at possibly tweaking something. Will sounds like he might have something brewing, so we may see what we come up with. I am a, I am a pro owner, so we could throw in... Well, I don't want to throw in the custom number, but we could. It's an official race, right? Yeah, it is an official race. Yeah, so you don't but, really want to use custom numbers on an official race. Yeah. And we do have a promo video that was that was also put out. Did any of you guys get a chance to watch this one? This particular one I didn't get to yet. I thought it was good. I mean, it's short, and um, it kind of got you, gets you excited. I mean, you know, racing footage going around the race and side-by-side, side, that kind of thing, slow motion. They uh, advertise the date and the time. You know, it's a typical kind of commercial come race. I, uh, there's a lot of people that are going to run this. I think it's going to be a record based on the traffic you see and hosted of all the practice. There's so many people practicing for the last several weeks. And uh, this week, it's like really amplified. Yeah, plus you got IMSA racing there this week. So it's like that's even bumping it up even higher. Well, the, uh, the average field size the IMSA races has been about 250. Yeah, I think that I ran it earlier today. Uh, I promised David I'd do a, a test race uh, in preparation for the 24, and I did. I started uh, back in the 20-something. I got, I ended up P15, uh, so it was a good run. Um, I had a lot of incidents, but um, only, I think it was eight seconds optional of damage. I got spun off once, but didn't hit anything. So uh, it was a good practice race, but yeah, there's a lot of people running right now. And it's definitely going to be a big event. And we do have some uh, final instructions that were given given out to kind of make sure things maybe go a little bit smoother. As you guys might know, anytime they do one of these gigantic events, it puts it puts the entire infrastructure to its extreme tests. So a couple of things that you do want to consider uh, for the 24 hours this weekend 
they have recommended that you use the classic site for team registration as well as session joining as some of the team features have not been fully implemented on the beta ui it's also a reminder that all the team members should be added to the team prior to the event and that only team admins can register your car and so you're going to do the registration for us then yeah it'll be particularly convenient with me being the uh first person to race good and then uh yesterday uh none other than scott mclaughlin who is a penske uh supercar driver from australia who actually was in uh united states at sebring for an indycar test where he got to run will powers indycar uh, about 400 laps or something crazy uh, just last week, uh, he put on Twitter, hey, late call-up, anyone got a slot for me to race with them in the iRacing Daytona 24? And uh, you think uh, he got some answers? <laughs> I think it was a mad dash. I know we we tried to say something. I didn't hear back from him. I so told him, I, yeah, I was going to give up. I told the team, I'll give up my slot if we can get Scott McLaughlin in the car for it. And so I did put on Twitter... Uh, he can uh, put in a double on the second tank of gas, and uh, we got no response. But if you scroll down on his thread, uh, a lot of people uh, asked him to run, uh, including uh, our friend, old uh, podcast friend Kevin uh, Rutgers, who said, how'd you like to run with Marcos Ambrose? And uh, apparently he's running in, uh, the race with Marcos. Uh, Jake Nichols, one of the peak drivers, uh, he put up a gift trying to get some attention. Yeah, a, a day ago, one of the other on the Elite West Discord, I got I got the message, "Hey, are any of you available to run?" Because Marcos's friend backed out on him, and I was like, "Oh, that'd be an honor." But I, I pretty well was committed with you guys. I'm not going to turn turn tail on that. Yeah, so a lot of different invites. I would as I scroll down, it it just never ends. Um, the people that have replied to him. So there's probably at least 70, uh, I would guess, you know, replies. I wonder who he's going to run with. Okay, next up, I have a story. Uh, the best settings in OBS for sim racing. Okay, so this is a video on YouTube. But it was also a forum post. And um, I watched this because I've been doing something. And he has very specific settings for uh, YouTube or Twitch. And uh, I'm actually using a service that kind of goes to all three things at once, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. So it wasn't, I'm doing something a little different than what this guy's doing. But if you're just going straight to Twitch or YouTube, you might want to check this out. Um, it's the YouTube channel is called Front Seat Racing, and Front Seat is one word. And uh, it's 32 minutes long, and he puts up OBS, and he literally goes into the settings and goes through every little thing every little setting and tweaks it and tells you what it means and why you want to change it to what he's changing and he explains it all in detail. So um, if you're into that and you want to get that kind of information, this is the video you've been looking for. I'm definitely going to have to look this over and uh, this same thing. I go to Facebook and Twitch, so I'm going to have to set, actually talk to him and see well, if I should just kind of pick one to optimize for or try to find a balance. Well, I did ask in the forum post just that, David. I said, hey, I'm using Mob Crush. Uh, which of those two settings should I use, the YouTube ones or the Twitch ones? 
And he did reply and said, well, he doesn't know a lot about Mob Crush, but you would have to look at how Mob Crush is configured and what they're expecting and that kind of thing. And he really didn't give me a specific answer. It kind of sounded like, uh, you know, that would be a different answer that was not that he didn't provide. So I don't know. If you were looking for another YouTube video um, about actually editing your uh, your videos that you get from OBS, we got uh, we got the video for you. Uh, YouTuber Chris Hay, um, that's uh, Chris H-A-Y-E, posted up a video about how he does his video editing. Um, he has some of the best um, sim racing videos out there as far as the quality of the video because it's not in-car cockpit. It's all kind of um, cinematic. So he had a really good video posted up about that. Um, have you guys got a ch chance to take a look at that? I did, and uh, it, it's amazing. I mean, his big trick that he that this video is telling you is get an analog controller to move the camera and uh, get it where the camera is free-flowing, where you can move it any direction. Uh, so like in iRacing, that's the pit road camera or the static one. And then you took the control F12 and you can move it around with the, the various keys, uh, W A S D. And then if you hold control or alt, they do the same keys and they do different things. And so that's how you control it. And he was saying, well, instead of using the keyboard, you hook that up to like an analog joystick or an analog controller of some kind where you can make real finute uh, moves with the camera. And that's really the trick he kind of portrayed in this video. And some of the, Cinema, uh, cinematography, I guess is the word, uh, that he does is amazing. I, the examples uh, that he provides, and I'm kind of blown away. Yeah, he also had a couple other comments in there about um, audio transitions and how that affects the video as, as well Start as... Start the audio before the video. Yeah, and uh, color correction as well. Um, he kind of hinted that iRacing kind of is, if I'm not mistaken, a little greenish. Um, right. But yeah, that was just a great overall video. So once you get OBS set up to get quality video and you need to edit it, this is kind of where you want to pick up. Yeah, if you're making videos that are outside the cockpit kind of thing, yeah, this is a great thing to kind of get you going, a 101 on how to do it. You can tell the guy probably is professionally trained, you know, in how to do film. But uh, YouTube channel Chris Hay. All right, and then this one really got me fired up, guys. Uh, Real-life NASCAR news. The 2020 aero package for all tracks shorter than 1.1 miles and road courses. Spoiler is cut from 8 to 2.75 inches. And major changes to the splitter and radiator pan as well. Wow. I've been wanting this, guys, for a long time, and it's coming. Well, it's, it's good that, you know, they're continuing to do what they can to make the product good. Uh, that's why they went with the package. They went for the mile-and-a-halfers, and I think some, we there, there may be disagreement, but we we probably saw some better racing on the mile-and-a-halfs, but then everybody kind of started to realize, well, now on short the short track racing and the road course racing it. was less interesting. Um, the reason they didn't want to keep going back and forth is because of cost, but I think at this point they've decided that that the better racing product is worth the extra cost. Yeah, they just have to have different cars for different kinds of tracks or something, but um, they needed to do this. I didn't go to the Phoenix race because of the crap package, uh, and I'm glad I didn't because the race was crap, and uh, they need to do this. This is going to make the, the cars like they were before they put all the downforce on them. Uh, I'm going to... 
I said, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Um, I went to the Martinsville fall race and, uh, I watched Ryan Newman majority of the race because he was usually where the action was because he's so tough to pass. And I watched Kurt Busch try to get underneath and pass him for probably a, a hundred plus laps there middle of the race. And, uh, I don't think downforce was what wasn't allowing hit Kurt to make the pass. Um, he just couldn't get the power down. Um, I think this is rules package is going to kind of revert it back to what we had a few years ago. I think this is really going to amplify the issues I think we were seeing with tires. I know Arrow plays a role in it, but I really think a lot of the issue is the tire itself. And hopefully in 2020, it's improvement. But if it is the tire, it's going to be highlighted going back to this older package. And uh, by 2021, hopefully Goodyear can soften those bad boys up and really make the difference I think we really need to see. Yeah, you're right. We really need soft tires to go with this to make it right. I don't know if at Martinville it's so small that these changes are going to be significant, but at Phoenix or a New Hampshire Dover. or a Dover. I mean, remember Dover was horrible. Yeah, we they needed to do this. And so this is the right thing, I think. We'll see. Now, here's the question. How fast are we going to get this in NIS? Um, you know, are they already working on it? Is iRacing... Do, do they even have a, a car to scan, or can they fudge this? Can they just approximate the 2.75-inch spoiler instead of the 8-inch one and so forth? Well, I don't well, think I, they really had to scan the changes when they made the the plate track spoilers even longer midseason. I really think, depending on what they do with the um, under-the-car stuff with the radiator pan, that this is probably going to be very similar to what we had prior to the 2019 aero package so it might be a matter of iRacing just going back a little further to the gen 6 car right yeah just put up the gen 6 car on those races i don't know it'll be interesting to see i mean can they get it out by the first race which is right after the daytona 500 the next week you know or no that's a that's a one and a half is so phoenix would be the first one or home yeah phoenix would so can they get it out by phoenix this package i hope all right, let's keep moving. Uh, David, we got pa uh, season one patched. Yeah, this was actually a very intensive uh, patch. There's quite, you look at the patch notes, and it's quite long. Um, there's quite a few changes to the beta interface. I don't want to really dive too much into those. You can look it over if you'd like. A couple of nice things, though, it does have recent results sorted by most recent now, which kind of makes sense. Um, one of the very one of the interesting things that that was a was a big excitement for a lot of people is the Skip Barber now has uh, AI races at Mid Ohio and Road Atlanta, and they yep. also did some improvements in the AI through some more machine learning with for the MX5 and the Porsche 911, and they've also and same thing for Barber Motorsports Full Park. Uh, there's a list of all the things they've worked on improving for the AI. There's some adjustments for heat and tread effectiveness on the v7 tire they there's a balancing issue that they think they fixed there's a new option for uh the oculus rift for two-stage uh anti-aliasing and it's supposed to be very taxing so if you're having fps issues you do not want to enable this uh there is a thing now for custom paint schemes the windshield banners and rear wing logos um are now always visible per bmw's request in other words uh we've been able to change the cowls on some cars but bmw has basically asked that their their logo is always on there and you can't you can't really take it off 
Uh, and one of the biggies, there's a there's a uh, there's some season updates, and there was an arrow bug in the Skippy that we actually found. I'm sure some other people found it, but we actually found it in that community that we were running with with Annie. Um, that uh, one of the other guys that I ran with actually sent it in to them, where if you could knock off the rear wing and be faster, and they fixed okay. that bug. Uh, the dynamic track one where they reduced uh, track temperature based on the surface of the sun hitting the, the angle of the sun hitting the earth. So like if it's like high noon, it has a better effect than if it's like early in the day or late in the day because the sun's more of an angle. And it said on average track surfaces are about two to three degrees Celsius cooler than before. That'd be handy. There was also a quick hot fix where they fixed a couple of things that they found. Uh, but, you know, iRacing is they keep the content coming as well as the adjustments. Yeah, they updated the camera set at Daytona, guys, in time for the big races. So I haven't uh, tried those. I guess we should try those new cameras. Uh, then we got, so that was the release the other day. And then today we got uh, Hotfix uh, 1 for Patch 2. Yeah, that's mainly fixed a simulation crash error and a couple of issues going on with the supercar Ford Mustang. Okay. And then there was a problem with the beta UI launching. If it wasn't working for you, you could go and, and remove the cache, your local cache. Uh, you do that by going on your Windows computer to uh, see users, your name, app data, roaming, and then delete it. So you have to kind of navigate in there and clear it out. That was the workaround. Not sure if that was addressed or not. I think it was. I don't think that was an issue. That, that, that was not, not something that was in the patch. That was just a workaround on the client side. Yeah, so if you're, I, yeah, I don't know if they've fully addressed that one. Next up is a heads up from uh, our friend Steve over at the Old Bastards Racing League. Uh, he has a friend, Andy DeLay, who wanted to let us know uh, about a heads up on a charity race. It's the race for LEO survivor law enforcement. Uh, they, it'll be held Saturday, February 1st, 9 p.m. Eastern, 100 laps at Homestead. Trucks fixed, $20 entry fee, 100% of the money goes to the fund. The fund is for families of law enforcement officers who are killed in the line of duty. We cover the family's living expenses until payment of survivor benefits. The winner will receive a plaque trophy for winning the event and be featured on the Burning Rubber Radio and the Burning Rubber Radi Racing Report, which is going to be on the XSIM uh, Sirius uh, Satellite Radio, I think. Uh, drivers can go to the Burning Rubber Radio Facebook page where they have set up an event, click on the event, and sign up. Drivers only need to pledge their support there. Then they need to go to the runforleosurvivors.org and click donate their $20 entry fee. And that's it. That's how you get involved. Uh, we have a deputy sheriff on our team. And uh, so we are certainly happy to spread the word about this uh, February 1st, Saturday, guys. Uh, let's uh, help them out. Okay, next up, uh, we kind of talked about this with Anthony before, but um, they announced the Xfinity is going road course racing at Indy. Noah Gragson. Uh, was the first one, like literally an hour after the announcement by Penske. Uh, he had a video of the Xfinity B car going around the Indy road course, and he put it up on Twitter for everybody to see. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Dale Jr. piped in and said that a lot of the drivers are going to be using iRacing a ton 
to prepare for that race. I've been there once in IMSA, and it was very tough. It's a very challenging road course. The first turn is very blind. It was actually one of my favorite tracks on like one of the older Formula One games, like the first one that came out on the PS3. Um, it is definitely a tricky track. It'll probably be the closest thing we'll see to NASCAR cars on a street circuit. Um, it's very flat, a lot of tight left-right-hand turns, 90-degree turns. Um, and I think it would be a good test to see what the cup or Xfinity cars could do on a street. Yeah, 104,000 views he has on that Twitter video so far. It's amazing. All right, we got another video. Top 10 highlights from December. I actually submitted one for this, and um, I submitted a final lap in a LMP. And a LMP final lap battle did make it, but it wasn't mine. Um, it's just like any of the other top 10 videos. It's really entertaining to watch the, probably you see some good crash. You see some good crashes, some final finishes, a lot of three wide, uh, some three wides and four wides that shouldn't have, you know, made it, but did. Uh, and of course, always hearing any of the exciting finishes or, or near saves that just, uh, you don't. You don't think they're going to happen. There was a, the, the one that really sticks out in my mind actually is a couple of skippies that are completely sideways and then not. Right. I question number five. That dude straight goes into that wreck. It's a wreck at Talladega and he kind of misses it. But he goes in that thing full arca breaks, aka <laughs> never lifted, and got super lucky. I don't know if I was iRacing, I'd be saying, hey, this is what you should be doing out there, kids. Please slow down when you see a wreck in front of you. Yeah, it is funny. tricky though when you know when some people complain about arca braking and when when you're tailgating at 200 miles an hour, slamming on the brakes is not always the best option because then you're just going to get rammed in the rear. Oh no, person... this dude had like a year of notice. He is going into three, and they are wrecking like at the start of turn four. Um, he's not even on the banking yet when the clip starts, and I don't think he lifted for a moment until he was full sideways. He's looking uh, he... down at his gauges. <laughs> uh, something. Uh, it all worked out good, but wow, I saw that one. I was like, he's telling Cole Trickle, you can make it. And based the, on the condition of his car, it looks like he uh, didn't make it a couple times before. <laughs> I like number one, uh, and we saw this in the final peak race at Homestead. Brad Mayhar with probably the best uh, save of the year, I think, where he went through the grass and the infield to miss a bunch of cars wrecking, and he threaded the needle, man. I just love that one. So we've already talked a lot, both on the Indy course and uh, with our guest, about how iRacing is helping iRacing drivers. Uh, Will, what about track, uh, what's the word? What track about prep. Track, track prep? Yeah, so Chili Bowl this week, there was some drivers talking about things just didn't feel right. They were wrecking. And, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't going too good. And they actually reached out to iRacing and iRacing gave them the data which they would have had from, I believe, two years ago. Um, and they found that the track was off. Um, they typically grade and prep that track all by eye, essentially. And it was off a little bit, and they went back through and made some changes. And uh, it sounds like it is working. Uh, Matt Weaver kind of broke the story, and uh, Auto Week picked it up. But, yeah, iRacing is helping tracks as well as drivers. So it well, that's interesting. So it went the other way, kind of. So iRacing helped them design their track so because their design was off a little bit. So they gave them the data, able to pull it up and see what they did wrong and then make the adjustment. Yeah, and in fact, uh, Dell Jr. Uh, tagged uh, 
the president of Texas Motor Speedway in it, essentially saying return Texas to how it was. Um, is what hey, I we have took the from old scan. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, no, this was a great, um, great thing for iRacing to do. And we kind of talked about the past about saving North Wilkesboro. If uh, it deteriorates too far, we can always go back to the iRacing data if anybody wants to rebuild it. So it's just uh, another tool um, that iRacing works for. Or even rebuild a replica. All right, and then speaking of Chili Bowl, uh, Christopher Bell gets his first win of the week. Yeah, Christopher Bell went out there in the iRacing car and picked up the win in the Race of Champions. Um, Kyle Larson went out and won his preliminary night as well. Seabell's uh, prelim night is tonight. Um, looks like he won his heat race already. And uh, Steve Myers tweeted out that it looked like uh, the competition was set to AI difficulty low. Um, but yeah, no, the iRacing cars are getting it done at Chili Bowl and, uh, Bell already picked up his first win and, uh, he's going for four in a row. Man, that's amazing. Four in a row. Newest insult on the track. You race like AI. All right. What's next, David? Well, speaking of, uh, other things on the track, we got wave arounds that can be given by admins when you're in race, race control. Sometimes, uh, they'll do it if people just got unlucky about this or that, or they want to just let everybody get back on the top lap. Well, um, there was a bug that happened trying to incorporate the laps don't count under caution thing. Somebody brought it up to him in the forums, and they said, we uh, we see what's wrong, and we'll fix it in the next patch. So you're not told it. it's happening. I experienced mm-hmm. this. I was in a hosted race, and I was under yellow, and I was laps down, and all of a sudden I was told to, for no reason, pass the car in front of you. Okay, pass the next car in front of you, and on and on, and pass the pace car. And apparently the admin had waved us around, but I didn't get the alert that they waved us around. The little text up at the top, you know, in the text chat, it usually says you're waved around or whatever, but that's what's gone. It's not showing that. Yep. But if this next thing happens, uh, you may not be worried about getting a wave around uh, if your car starts doing this in the pits. Mike? Yeah, I found this. Adam, you thought it was pretty funny when I posted this up in the chat. Yeah, lucky you didn't land on the pit crew member there. Jesus. So for the audio listeners, we got a, a gif here of uh, a, a car pulling in for their pit stop, and he stops, and then all of a sudden the car starts hopping like a like a kangaroo. The whole back is just bouncing up and down. The, the, the back wheels clear off the ground at like a foot or two. And then up and down, up and down. And it kind of looks like the gas man gets under the left tire, actually. Yeah, it's got hydraulics there. Hydraulics gone wrong. Yeah, you think about the Mexican lowrider cars that have the bouncy cars where they can bounce at the stoplight. Yeah, this is what it looks like. Now, I haven't experienced this, but I have experienced where you pull into the pit lane and the car kind of jolts real quick, like it drops off the jack kind of thing. And I think that's what this is, but it, this has gone, it takes it a little bit farther. Yeah, but well, I think the that might have been, sorry. I say, I think that might have been resolved um, with that patch. As I say, the next topic I got as well was a post about the AI issue because they had too many cars on the track and they were sharing stalls, was causing crashes, but that has been resolved as well. So if you picked an AI race and you picked more cars than there were pit stalls, it would actually crash the sim. Yep, but it looks like those issues have been resolved. Um, I'm thinking they've been resolved with the bouncing car as well. So hopefully going forward, members don't have these issues. Okay, and then uh, David, we got 
a uh, article from BMW and a video from Porsche. Yes, the the crossbreeding between the sim world and the real racing world just just continues, and we have our our real life manufacturers now posting videos on how to be better sim racers. I love the video uh, by Porsche uh, with Josh Rogers and then one of the regular Porsche drivers, uh, Swin Muller. And uh, they get together, they start talking about the differences between real-life Porsche racing and sim racing uh, in a Porsche. And, of course, Josh Rogers is our champion from uh, the 2019 Porsche Series. It's kind of neat to, to see his face. We've had him on the show before. Uh, he's a tiny little guy. He's like a pretty short. He's young. Uh, he's Australian, obviously, and he's uh, quick as can be. Uh, but it's kind of neat to see this video. Uh, they do the whole side-by-side -side thing where they show the real car, then they show the sim car, you know, on the same track, and it's kind of hard to tell them apart, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's really cool they're using him for this content. Um, I know I am a sim racer, and we obviously follow sim racing. I immediately knew who he was starting that video, and I think that's really cool. Um, I think in the community, it's nice to get these guys out there and make them known in the community. Um, I don't want to say they're going to be household names, but they're names and faces I think we should know in the community as far as who are the premier guys, and it's cool to see them get that recognition. Yeah, this this is Porsche's YouTube channel. They have 825,000 subscribers. And, um, you know, for Josh Rogers to get that kind of recognition, you know, that he's one of them, you know, he is one of their drivers. Uh, he's just as good as, you know, Swin and, uh, he is. And when it comes down to it, but it's a very good video. And then the article by BMW, on the other hand, uh, it's kind of a, how to get involved in sim racing or how to get started tips for beginners and by none other than, uh, Jimmy Broadbent. Uh, so BMW brought him in to basically do this article, and it's a long-form article with pictures, videos, uh, words, and so forth, um, you know, kind of tips and tricks, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of good tips in there. And it's this kind of just reiterates the thing I said earlier. You don't have the corner garage anymore, but I, th I really almost would say that, that sim racing has become the corner garage for a lot of people instead of seeing that that racing car that you want to get to drive at the gas station now you can do it online you're absolutely onto something there david for sure i mean it really is i mean if you think about it because the the old style is just gone like you said it's just gone and so how are people you know staying involved in the tech of motorsport and stuff it's this kind of stuff you know we they watch youtube they watch the porsche youtube video channel you know that's how they stay involved all right let's go to hardware software will you're up first yeah so the first thing we have up here is the accuforce add-on button box um it's a button box that you can get as an add-on for your accuforce wheel um you can bolt your own wheel onto it it has a total of 13 buttons one of them is the horn um, it does come with the, their quick release system. Uh, cost is three eighty nine. Um, what did you guys think of it? I think I like it it's where you can put on a real racing wheel on it, you know, and then use it with your AccuForce base. I mean, what do you think, Will? Is this better than what the other? So they had a different offering where they were actually offering the the entire package, the wheel and the hub, right? Um, I honestly cannot remember. I know we talked, I believe, last week about 
them adding a formula style will and my criticism was it's just a formula style will adapted to this button box and quick release um now i the button box and quick release i obviously have because i have an accuforce with their round will and it, it's a good button box i would say it's not amazing but it's not bad either um if you wanted to do like a diy or a semi diy solution i think this is a great option because you could connect it via usb and bolt on your own wheel so if you had something you already owned or you wanted a specific style um it's a great solution for that um my only criticism about the buttons is i wish they were just a little more tactile um and they could use a rotary knob um but yeah no it's it's good not amazing but it's a, a great solution for anybody who's trying to do their own diy stuff and I see the same issue that I don't know if you guys run into this or not, but because I'm so little, reaching the uh, reaching all of those different thumb buttons down low when I when I'm in corners and even straighter ways is just not really convenient. Whereas all it's just easier for me to hit all the top buttons. So I don't know if I like having eight buttons at the bottom and only four at the top. Oh yeah, I pretty much use the four up top, one for tear offs, one's for push and talk. And then either for my black box or for brake bias on the left thumb, depending on the car I'm in, I really don't use many of the bottom buttons. Um, and that's where I feel like they could use, say, take away four of those buttons at a rotary would be uh, probably a better use of that space. But it is nice having those extra buttons if I need to. Seems overpriced. I mean, the similar thing from Fanatec is 300 bucks, and I thought that was overpriced, and this is 389 but there's not a lot of options when you have a Sim Experience AccuForce Pro wheel as far as, you know, what kind of wheels you can put on it, right? So, but 389 I feel like it's a little high. Yeah, I agree. All right, next up, a button box shifter, so to speak. Okay, so I uh, found this on Instagram, and uh, it, just like I described, it has a button box with uh, rows of buttons, toggles, push buttons, and whatnot, uh, three rows of them and then down at the bottom it's on the bottom right it's got a key like a ignition uh, where you could turn a key and to the left of that is an actual uh, shifter uh, it looks like a uh, maybe a sequential I can't really tell it doesn't look to be an H pattern but uh, shifter built right into the button box I think that's the first we've seen something like that before well I kind of tried to do something along those lines when I still had my my G27 shifter because it had buttons on it. So before I had to order the button boxes I had, the G27 shifter was one of the only shifters that had buttons on the shifter. Okay. And um, this, they have a Facebook uh, page. It's called G27 Help. And that's where you can uh, apparently uh, hook up with this guy and buy it. I don't know what country he's from. I think it's Brazil. Well, the way that's laid out, you probably it probably is better for right-seated car people who are used to having the shifter on the left, because you're not going to be reaching those buttons very well that are on the right of that shifter. Yeah, so check their Facebook page, uh, G27 Help. All right, Feel VR pedals review. I thought this was all smoke and mirrors, but maybe. But this is an hour and fifteen minute video from our guy, our friend at the Sim Racing Garage, and he goes so in depth that it. I just didn't have an hour and fifteen today to give it a watch. I bounced around a little bit and tried to catch the final review. Uh, it it does have some nice software that you can tailor to each, uh, 
sim that you're running where you can program dead zones and i don't know if you can actually program different uh shape throttle and uh brake shapes or force facts where, where you can make it uh more sensitive towards the top or more sensitive towards the bottom uh but it was there was some nice software and he had some pretty positive review on it the the other word though that i kept hearing him say a lot was flex just in the hardware itself even though he had it bolted down really solid it is an inexpensive kind of set of pedals to kind of be i think competitive with the inexpensive kind of pedals that you can get out there was kind of my take on it i uh i kind of browsed through the video as well and uh the squeak on the brake that like, unsold me on the pedals um i don't know if these are a prototype or if this is the final product i know we talked about phil vr i think like two years ago now and it was pretty much no communication for over a year and now there's some reviews coming out on their pedals, nothing on the wheel. But uh, yeah, that squeak kind of unsold me on it. I have the Club Sport V3s. I'm happy. I'm really excited to see what the VRS pedals are like. But uh, I'm, I'm out on these ones, personally. Yeah, and then they don't really have a website to buy them from. They have the Indiegogo page, <laughs> you know, that's been there for years. And some of the people that have uh, initially bought into this are still waiting. So uh, that really is a turnoff for me. We'll see. I mean, if this uh, comes to market, you know, where people can actually buy them and get them and that kind of thing. I think I've seen two reviews so far on this. There was this one and another one. Uh, I haven't heard of actual iRacers able to buy them or able to get them. I feel like for it to be a competitive product, it's going to have to be below the $200 price point. I think Fanatec's Club Sport Series just is a little bit more and obviously better. I just don't see a big market for these unless they are at a really good price um, for the right people. Okay. Next up, we have a special thanks from Turn Racing to Max Verstappen. Yeah, uh, I think we've talked about Turn Racing a few times in the last few weeks. Um, they're doing some great stuff with their custom wheels over there. and They posted up a photo of a Porsche wheel they did for Max Verstappen. Um, it's for the 911 GT3 Cup car. He is making the CAD files available. It's a pretty simple oval style wheel, um, flat on the bottom. Looks like you got a couple buttons on one side, uh, quite a bit more on the left than the right. So it's not super symmetrical, but that doesn't really bother me at all. Um, obviously paddle shifters, and it looks like an LCD screen with shift lights. Um, so it is a very nice looking wheel, but also very simple. It'd be perfect for a GT3 type car. Yeah, pretty cool to see the wheel that he's, he's shipping to Max and uh, the one that Max is going to be using. Um, and they're obviously got some great stuff. I think it's really cool Max has reached out to Turn Racing. Um, I know they do a lot of nicer, higher-end custom stuff, but it's not a giant corporation or anything. He's uh seems like he's giving back to the going with them on this one, and uh, I think that's pretty cool of him. All right, next up, another uh, GT3 Cup steering wheel. Uh, this time it's from a company called Simline, one word. They have a YouTube channel. They just put up a, a YouTube video this week of it, of the wheel. And um, it's impressive to look at. There's a lot of carbon fiber. Uh, it's pretty simplified uh, button interface. Uh, the paddles look nice. Uh, this, the wheel itself, you know, just like the wheel we just saw in turn racing, there's not much difference there. Um and they sell it on eBay, um, and so if you uh, search Sim Line Sim Racing Button Plate 
slash box GT3 cup with gear shifters. You can actually buy it. Uh, U.S. price, it says approximately $237. That can't be right. That's pretty low, isn't it? Um, I mean, I think it's uh, very well priced, very competitive compared to some of the competition out there. I think it's uh, there's probably not a high margin on it for them, but if it gets the product out there and gets enough volume, it could be worth it. So the price is 900 Polish money. So this guy's from Poland, and that does, uh, according to Google, translate to 236 U.S. dollars. Wow, that's a pretty good price for that. what that's offering. It looks like it's just a guy. It doesn't seem like he's an actual company that has a website, but he does have an eBay. And uh, if you scroll down, he does have uh, in English here uh, the description of the product with, uh, you know, how many buttons. He's got 10 buttons, two shifters, etc. Button plates uh, with aluminum and carbon fiber without 3D printing. It is. uh, It looks like he sold 14 of them according to eBay. Um, with all positive reviews, a lot of people saying delivery was way quicker than expected, really great quality, so it's um, really looking like a good, a good product. Yeah, I'm impressed. That's why we're talking about it. So uh, check that out, guys, if you're in the market for a wheel. So we've talked about on previous podcasts, how much refresh rate do you really need? Well, how about 360? Oh, that's, uh, I've never heard of 360. Yeah, well... NVIDIA is now supporting 360 hertz refresh rates uh, with new G-Sync eSport displays. And so this is a CES uh, thing we found from the CES show. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, they, you know, I, they have a display they're, they're showing here on this website. It's 24 inches. It's 1080p, but 360 hertz refresh rate. So my first That's... reaction is, man, they need a 32 <laughs> or a 27. Yeah. Or put that power into the into some of the other options so you can handle something like the the high dollar RVR we were talking about, or the ultra wides or the thirty two mm-hmm. curves like we you know everybody's wanting. You just start to read down the form the form post that links to this and the replies and everybody but it's like can you you can't really see a difference after you go past one hundred and twenty hertz. It's just, the human eye just doesn't see that fast and it also the the human brain actually blends all of the all of the frames together and overlaps them as well. So you it's almost just it's overkill in, in a sense. I've seen testing done where people do um, stuff comparing 144, 122, I think 240 is the current high cap, and uh, it does make a difference as far as your accuracy and headshots and first-person shooters. So I'm assuming it will make a difference in sim racing. Because um, I just think the faster it, that thing is going, the more time you have to react. Uh, I do think there is definitely an advantage to it. Um, I just I don't know if the systems are going to be strong enough to really get the most out of it. Yeah, I remember we talked about a, a video from Linus Tech Tips where they did a test with the uh, first-person shooter where they uh, kind of tried to test the the refresh rates and see if it you know made them better. And I think overall the the impression was it it did help, like you said, but not much. I you know I think it's a minute. Okay, check that out. Uh, next, uh, finally, I'm still stuck with my 1080 Ti guys. I'm still hoping somebody will buy it. 450 bucks, and so uh, that's I lowered the price from 500 to 450, and still nobody wants it. Come on, guys, somebody out there buy this thing from me, and uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. 
that's an expensive mistake, but oh well, I got a new video card out of it. Let's talk about results. Uh, official first. Uh, Will, you're up first. P3. Yeah, so we talked about the Sprint Car Cup, the asphalt sprint car a few weeks ago, and uh, got some information back from their community about start times, and uh, I kind of put my money where my mouth was and jumped in a race with those guys. Uh, I told them I was going to drop right to the back at the start and kind of let them race for their championship while I logged laps, and uh, I ended up racing. I uh, qualified P of seven cars, dropped straight to the back. Um, I did spin myself on lap 54. Um, did bring out a caution, was kind of embarrassed on that, but, uh, it happened. Um, at that point I was actually catching up to fourth and third. We were all really close on track and I was just trying something different to see if I could get a run to make a pass. Um, we were running at the bull ring in Vegas. Um, after that I ran side by side with third for a bit. Um, eventually kind of gave up trying to take that spot. Um, I felt like I was just going to wreck myself and, uh, at the end we had a green white checkered. Um, the fast guy, he kind of checked out and there was basically second through fifth. We're all in a tight battle. Um, all in all, I ended up coming out third. Um, basically we went three wide down the back stretch. I was on the inside, uh, decided to back out of it cause I wanted to finish. The guy on the outside backed off, then lunged down the middle. Um, he kind of washed up and took out the guy in the middle and, um, one of them bounced off the wall and. Had just enough traction probably off the wall to stay in front of me for P2. But it was a really fun race, really fun. Uh, you got to make one of those races there, Mike. Yeah, i got to figure out a time I can make that work. Um, it is fun. I did get to run it and host it. I'll talk about that later. Uh, uh, you also got a P8 and rally. Yeah, it was a horrible race. Um, I was trying to get my points for the week. Um, I didn't leave myself a lot of slots to get in and get points. And... Uh, Kind of got a time penalty at the start. Um, I clipped the inside berm a little too much at Daytona Long. And uh, I was trying not to wreck and uh, cut the course in doing so. But because it was before lap one was even done, I basically had to come to a stop. Was coming back through the field. Caught up to second and third. Um, had Still had to make my joker lap, but second did as well. And I feel like we could have had a good race to the end. And the guy in third spun in front of me, collected me. And then the people kind of piled in from the backside. So... Unfortunately, lost some I rating, didn't get any points there. Um, I'm very competitive to probably, I would say, the I would say low 3,000 I rating guys. Anybody 3.5K I rating up is in a whole nother league. They got rid of the cushion pillow things, the big pillow things on the corners, and they put in these little, like, turtles or whatever, and so they did make some changes there. I think it's a lot better. Um, you can definitely upset the car if you hit them too hard, and you do get time penalties. For jumping them but you really don't want to anyway um if you hit them just right at some tracks it helps the car rotate really good um i think that was a big improvement um from the randomness that was those tire bowls flying around everywhere yeah i thought it was better because you don't get the pillow things in the way and in the middle of the track and all that crap all right adam jocelyn you got a p1 a win yeah, it was a uh, the iRacing Tour Modified Series at Myrtle Beach um, by Monday night. And uh started from pole and was having a good fight with somebody behind me. And they, they got in a bit of a wreck and just held on from there and led 98 of 100 laps. Long race. Wow. That is a, a lot of laps to lead, but uh, you led the last one. Uh, that's a, a fun car, too. Yeah, it's taken a bit to get, used, get, get it running right because... Um, it seems like every track I go to, I can get the thing to 
drive good off the bottom, but if I try and go up in the second groove, the car just gets light on me and tries to spin out. Are you cha are you running baseline? Are you trying to change the set at all? Or oh, com completely custom set. Okay. All right, and yeah, sorry. go ahead. Pretty pretty much all the flat tracks. I'm using the same set with gear changes here and there, and then the bank tracks. I have a different so something different for those, and then the big tracks like Phoenix or New Hampshire or Richmond. I have a, a setup for those too. Yeah, you need to get me get me on when you're running those, so I can run them with you. Yeah, I'll upload the sets tonight. Cool. All right, let's talk uh, leagues and hosted uh, David P4 in the Winter Series. Yeah, I finally avoided any technical difficulties or getting caught up in the early cautions uh, and was running really fast. It was exciting to be up there running next to the pros. In fact, I was running third and got passed by a pro with about 15 laps to go. Um, so that's a surreal feeling to be running at that level and know that I can keep up with those guys at least – uh, for a little while, anyway. Um, it it was it was nice. There was a custom set. It wasn't. It's a fixed setup league, but Josh Campbell uploaded a custom set, and it oh, it it was just perfectly suited to my driving style. I was it was on the right rear tire, and I could control the car with the throttle instead of the wheel. Um, and a lot of other people were were spinning out, and I wasn't. Felt good. Yeah, that's a great run. There's some heavyweights in there. Christian Challoner, Marcus Richardson, Tyler Hudson. All right, and then you got a Pacific Majors P4 again. Yep, I started uh, with Tom and them over at Elite Racing, or Elite West Racing. They they talked me into going ahead and running Pacific Majors, and even though most of them are running the European League, I don't want to run that because it interferes with the morning NIS. So I'm running the American League, which is the tougher and I did not make the top pro split. I made the second pro split and came in P4. I just kept the car clean and finished where I could. The three guys in front of me were a little faster. And a lot of people around us made mistakes. I kept it clean, had a good finish. And uh, I'll be running their Daytona 500 here in a couple of weeks. Okay, very good. I ran, uh, hosted uh, some this week. Uh, trucks at Thompson was interesting. The trucks at Phoenix as well in the uh, in the pickup cup. There's something wrong with the trucks. I I, I want iRacing to understand. That. I don't know if anyone's reported it, but it's not the same as it used to be. When they put out the V7 tire, it's like the spoiler is gone off the back of the truck. I don't know if it's that they do, they just put a super super loose setup in it and it just feels that way. Is the spoiler actually gone, and that's what I'm feeling? Is it this is how the V7 tire feels and deal with it? Um, I don't know, but it is so different, and it's kind of fun uh, because it's so hard to drive. I mean, it's on it's wrecking loose kind of thing is how it feels. Um, but at a little track like Thompson, uh, you couldn't even get it up to fourth gear uh, because it's such a small track. But it was fun. I also got a chance to run the sprint car at USA on pavement, um, and uh, that was a blast. There were probably 17 cars, I think, and it was in hosted, and I jumped in and uh, ran with those guys, and uh, it was fun. Um, I really like USA with the sprint car. Um, you can make that thing fly around there, and I was... I really enjoy that car. In fact, I was uh, wanting to do some testing to see how fast I could go. So I did a test at Bristol in the sprint car, and I did a 13.5 was my uh, track record. I actually looked up the real track record at Bristol. It's 12.4. 
in a winged sprint car, uh, a pavement sprint car, which I did confirm with somebody else that we don't have that on iRacing. I would love to have that. And I was asking the team, what is the fastest car at a track like Bristol? I mean, out of all the cars that we have, which one's the fastest? I would think at probably. Bristol? Yeah. As an example. IndyCar or the Radical. Um, I tried the Radical. It actually ran a 14.4, I believe. It was a second off. I think I in think the mod I got a 14.6. I think yeah, the IndyCar, you could probably get a good enough setup. You probably go fast. I don't think the Formula One cars, um, you could do an asymmetrical setup to really get the most out of it. So I'm thinking you could probably potential IndyCar maybe. Yeah, yeah Bristol the, is The prototypes are probably too heavy as well. That uh, sprint car is fast. I'm a fan. All right, then, Adam, uh, you ran. Uh, what else did you run? I So up here in New England during the offseason, everybody kind of gets together and runs this offseason league um, from all the racetracks up here. And we all run the Street Stock League, and 50 people showed up to this race the other night at Irwindale. It's called the iRacing Short Tracks Weapons, presented by the Black Flag Podcast, and it was at Irwindale. And I didn't have too great a speed to start, and... I didn't qualify too hot, and it, there was four heats, and you had to finish seventh to transfer to the main, and I finished eighth. And then, so I went to the consolation race, which is like the last chance, and I was running second, and I got passed by third, and I was just waiting to the last lap, and I I did a slide job on the bottom coming out of four, and I didn't hit the guy, but I, I turned it left and steered off of him, and I, I missed the last spot by like two inches, and the um, league admin gave me the promoter's um, transfer spot for racing clean, but I got I drove up from 39th, 31st and 9th in the feature and got spun out in this P25. All right, you were going the right way, but yeah, I was trying to. <laughs> All right, that sounds like fun. All right, that's it. Let's get into final thoughts. David Hall, you're first. I want to just uh, thank Anthony Alfredo for coming on here. It was really exciting to get an, a, a national level racer to come on on the podcast. Um, and it was perfect timing as well. Sorry about my phone there. It was perfect timing as well with the fact that we had this uh, sim racing firestorm come up because we have a guy who uses it to come up to the ranks and supports both the real life and the sim world. So I, I, I just think it's really exciting. I just followed him on Twitch and I hope to keep in touch with him over, over the years and we'll be rooting for his career. Absolutely. We'd love to have him back on. I uh, uh, hope he can get a win out there. Like I said, it's a great opportunity in the Xfinity series with uh, Cole Custopher and Christopher Bell and those guys leaving. Um, there's some openings there for some stars to step up. And so I, I really feel like Anthony is one of those guys. Um, so uh, good luck to him. Will Gibson, final thoughts? Yeah, same thing. I just want to thank Anthony. I reached out to him um, a while ago on uh, social media, and he got back to me and was very cordial and uh, worked with us very well to get him on here, and I uh, really appreciate that. Um, had a lot of fun running with the sprint car community over on the asphalt side and uh, hoping to try to make another couple starts out there. Um, I'll probably miss Myrtle Beach, but hopefully by USA I'll be back on track. Not a whole lot here. Now, that Sprint Car community actually has a Facebook page. If you search iRacing Sprint Car Cup, you'll find it. And I've actually been following that and watching it closely because they will post up when the races are about to start, the ones that they all run. And that kind of leads you to, oh, yeah, maybe I can make it this race and that kind of thing. So uh, go check them out on Facebook. 
They usually put up a picture of the, the winner and that kind of thing. All right. And then Adam, Jocelyn, final thoughts. Um, good show. Good to have Anthony on. Um, looking forward to Daytona 24 this weekend. The um, people I'm racing with, them starting the race and ending the race. So it'll be interested in running the Corvette second year in a row. Okay, very good. And we're uh, excited to get you going on your NASCAR stuff. Uh, we're getting close. Yeah, All right, my weeks. Yeah, it's coming. I'm ready. And so that's my final thought is I am ready, ready, ready for the Daytona 500 confidence is high i always say that but uh man i'm just chomping at the bit i'm kind of wondering about setups we need to start thinking about that we're getting close enough uh we're probably done with releases maybe now before the daytona 500 so it might be time to start thinking about setups but first we got the 24 i did uh run the imza race and got a respectable 15th out of 27 uh kind of surprised by that but I did finish, and so hopefully, David, knock on wood, that's a, a good omen for things to come on Friday night. Looking forward to it. We yep. got the schedule set. Yeah, let's go get us a Rolex, right? Uh, next week, we have Justin Melillo from the RacingExperts.com uh, to talk eNASCAR free agency. Uh, we want to thank Justin. Uh, he provides a lot of our material that we talk about as far as the peak guys. He is all over it. So that's why we're having him on the show. And then uh, James Pike from Podium Esports will be on the week after that for week of the Daytona 500 uh, that Podium Esports is uh, putting on. And he'll update us with what's going on there. Uh, and then, Adam, you're making a run at that, right? Yeah, I was just thinking the other day I might run every single race during the week. That's going to be uh, crazy. And it's a full-distance race with NIS, so all 500 miles. And uh, should be interesting. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.